Hi, everybody. It's good to be coming your way once again. And good news. I believe this should be the last time I come to you online on Sundays. I really plan on being there Sunday after next. Uh, I think it's I'm good. Um, the doctor's giving me a good bill of health. And um, so we're going to do that. I'm looking so forward to seeing you again, doing an air bump, um, handshake, air handshake, um, air hug, and all of those good things. But being there in person, looking forward to it. And can you believe it's Thanksgiving? I can't believe it's already Thanksgiving again. And I do. I want to bring you a Thanksgiving message. You know, the Bible is full of uh, encouragements and exhortations to be thankful. And I want to read to you out of Luke 17, verses 11 to 19, uh, on what I think is one of the most poignant, uh, powerful Thanksgiving messages in the entire Word of God, certainly in the New Testament. And it's a story of Jesus being approached by 10 lepers. So let's begin reading. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke 17, verse 11. And I'm reading out of the New King James Version. Uh, if you have another version, it might sound a little bit different, but it's essentially the same. So let's read. It says, Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men, who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. Verse 15, And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned, and with a loud voice glorified God, and fell down on his face at his feet giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan, verse 17. So Jesus answered and said, were there not 10 cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to them, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. He said that to the one man that returned. Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Well, this is a very, very powerful story about being thankful and uh, or not. And the things that God does for us when we're thankful and what we might miss when we're not thankful. Now, we have in this story the remarkable healing of 10 men afflicted with leprosy. Now, I happen to believe that the scriptures seem to insinuate that of the 10, nine of them were perhaps Jewish and this one that had returned to give thanks was a Samaritan. And that will come into play in a bigger way as the story continues. Now, it is clear these 10 lepers have heard about Jesus. They had to have heard about him or they would not have had the faith to ask him to heal them. Uh, they had heard that he was able to perform miracles on the sick and his, his reputation had gone ahead of him. And it says when they saw him, they began to cry out for mercy. Now, I know that they didn't say, Jesus, heal us, uh, Jesus, touch us. Uh, they were in such a place that all they could do was cry out for mercy. Jesus, master, have mercy on us. Now, this cry for mercy highlights, I believe, the first thing that we should note from this dramatic story, and that is the terrible nature of leprosy. See, they were crying out for mercy when you are truly desperate, when there's no way out but God, 
That is when you ask for mercy. Uh, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, the Bible says, that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in the hour of need. So it's in an hour of great need, of great desperation, of perplexity, confusion, despair, that we cry out for mercy. These men knew because of the disease they had that their future was bleak. A leper in Jesus' day had essentially received a death warrant. It was a terminal disease. Leprosy was the scourge of the ancient world. Nothing ignited more fear, more dread, more loathing, more revulsion than leprosy. And that it literally uh, was viewed, when somebody was viewed as a leper, they were viewed as the walking dead. They were seen as the walking dead. Leprosy was a terrible disease that began with specks on the eyelids and on the palms of your hand, gradually spreading over the whole body, bleaching the hair white wherever they appear, crusting the affected parts with white scales, white scaly skin, and causing terrible sores, oozing sores and swellings. From the skin, the disease ate inward into the bones, rotting the whole body piecemeal. Extremities like fingers, toes, ears, noses would eventually just fall off, deteriorating. So at the end of the day, leprosy was a terminal disease. It was terrible. You never wanted to realize that you were a leper because your entire life was changed, literally changed. The moment the word was spoken over you, leper, but it didn't stop physically. Socially, the leper suffered cruel rejection, ostracism, uh, isolation. He was required to live outside the camp or the city where he had been living in leper colonies or in self-imposed isolation. But they were no longer allowed to be in and amongst the people. Uh, a leper had to warn passersby to keep away from him. They had to call out, unclean unclean. And many times they would ring a bell along with crying out and warning those that were coming near them, unclean, unclean, and ringing the bell. This is why the Bible says that when the lepers approached Jesus, they stood afar off. They did not want to come too close to the Lord. They knew the rules. Nor could the lepers speak to anyone or receive or return a greeting, since in the East this involved an embrace and they could no longer embrace anybody. They could no longer greet them according to the Eastern ways because now they were lepers. And you talk about social distancing. Uh, a leper in Jesus' day was doomed to the severest form of social distancing for the rest of their sad life. What a terrible, terrible thing it was to be a leper, but it didn't even stop there. The physical repercussions, the social repercussions, but there were also judgmental repercussions because like Job of old, uh, leprosy was viewed by the people as a judgment of God. If you woke up and you were a leper and word got out that you were a leper, the people viewed it as a judgment of God, just like Job was viewed as having done something terribly wrong that God allowed him to go through so much suffering. So they went through physical suffering of the worst kind slow deterioration of their body, uh, social suffering, ostracism from friends and family, 
and judgment from the society that they had grown up in. You did something wrong. God's against you. God's not with you. He's no longer uh, with you. He is clearly judging you. What a terrible thing it was to be a leper. And in the Bible, leprosy is also a symbol of sin. Like leprosy, sin is ugly, loathsome, incurable, and contaminating. It separates men from God and makes them outcasts, just, just like leprosy separated man from man. Sin separates us from God. And so in the Bible, leprosy is a type, a metaphor, an illustration of sin. So one of the great takeaway messages from Jesus healing these 10 lepers, uh, more than once he healed lepers in his earthly ministry, is that Jesus alone can heal and cleanse us from the leprosy of sin. There is no one else who can cleanse away the leprosy of sin but Jesus Christ. Not Buddha, not Muhammad, not trying to be a good person, not never getting a traffic ticket, not being a good dad or a good mom, not all your self-imposed attempts to cleanse yourself or to appear before God having been cleansed of your sin. We can't wash it away. Nothing can wash it away but Jesus Christ. So when Jesus reached out and healed these 10 lepers, Jesus was doing what no one else on earth could do. And so that's a picture for us, a picture that only Jesus can wash away our sin. The Bible says that Jesus was touched with compassion when he saw them from a distance. Have mercy on us, have mercy on us. And he gave instructions for their healing. Go, show yourselves to the priests. Now, just so you'll understand why Jesus said this, the reason he said it was because Moses in the book of Leviticus, we find in chapter 14, verses two and three, Moses under God's instruction had instructed the people who were suffering from any kind of skin disease, but were claiming to have been healed to quote, be brought to the priest who will examine them at a place outside the camp. Now, if the priest confirmed the healing from the skin disease, he would confirm it to the people. And then this person that had had the skin disease was allowed back in a society. So this is what Jesus was doing. He was telling them, uh, head for the priests, because Christ already knew, I'm going to heal you. So I want you to head to the priests so that they can confirm your healing and restore you back to society. So Jesus was jumping ahead of the game and not only taking care of the immediate problem, the leprosy that was on their skin, but he was also setting them up and preparing them to be received back into society by going to the priests. The Bible records, this is so powerful. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. So as they obeyed the word of Jesus, they were cleansed. Isn't it amazing how just doing what Jesus says, it releases blessings on us, can even literally release a miracle upon our lives, obeying him. Now, Think with me a moment. If they had stood there, if Jesus had said, go and show yourself to the priests, and they had all kind of looked at each other like, well, we don't understand what that's about, so let's don't do it. If they had stood there, I ask you, would they have been cleansed? Would they have been healed? No, they would not have been. It is as they went 
they were cleansed. As they obeyed the word of God, they were cleansed. And I have to go here to the instructions in the Bible about the cross of Christ. The Bible says, do you want the leprosy of your sin removed? Go to the cross. Go to where Jesus was crucified. Go to where his, his sinless blood, his innocent blood was shed and ran down that old rugged cross. Go to the cross. And there at the cross, ask Christ for forgiveness. And as you ask for forgiveness, you will be cleansed. As you obey the instruction of scripture, if anyone call upon the name of the Lord, he will be saved. That if we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. If we go to him and confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. It's as we go, as we obey, that we too are cleansed from an even worse leprosy than physical leprosy because physical leprosy doesn't send you to hell, but sin sends you to hell. And so the, the leprosy of sin is the more serious of the two. And how are we cleansed? How are we healed? How are we made whole? By obeying the word of the Lord and going to the old rugged cross and allowing Jesus who died there for us and who later rose from the dead to forgive us and he alone can cleanse us of our sin. Their healing happened as they obeyed the word of the Lord. I can just imagine as they're walking along, they're headed to the priest and they're, 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 they're very familiar with each other. They were hanging together as sort of a leprosy gang because they couldn't be with anybody else. And suddenly Joe looked at Bob and Bob looked at Jim and they realized that the leprosy that had been on their skin was gone. And Bob said to Joe, hey, Joe, look, there's no more leprosy on your face. It's gone from your hands. It's gone from your ears. It's gone, Joe. And then Joe looked at Bob and said the same thing. And collectively, they realized that they had been healed. And don't you know, that was one of the most powerful moments. If we could possibly have been there to see this, it would have been, it would have moved us to tears. And they were healed. They were cleansed. Now, we come here to the crux of the story. And this is why I read this story at Thanksgiving time. When all 10 men realized that their skin was as soft now as a baby's skin, nine of the 10 kept right on walking away from Jesus toward the priest. Only one stopped and thought, my life has just been saved. The terrible physical, physical suffering is gone. The pain of social distancing, it's over. The scarlet L written across my chest is removed. I can go home, see my kids, embrace old friends, go back to work. I've been redeemed. My life has been changed. And it's all because of Jesus who had mercy on me when I asked him for his mercy. And the Bible says, I love this. He returned. And with a loud voice, this man was not worried about being religious or, or showing pretense. He was not worried about, um, you know, controlling himself or remaining dignified. No, no. With a loud voice, he glorified God, fell down on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And again, the Bible says he was a Samaritan. 
This man was crying out loudly for joy. Uh, no, no worries, as I said, about being dignified or what other people were going to think about him. He didn't care what other people thought. He was healed. He was made whole. He was restored. And he loudly and profusely thanked Jesus with abandon for healing him. Now, why does it matter that he was a Samaritan? Because in this day of so much racial tension, I want to simply point out, Jesus had broken a racial barrier to reach this man because Jews had no dealings with Samaritans in those days. And when this Samaritan man, who was a Gentile, who, which most of us are, when this Samaritan, this non-Jew, cried out to a Jewish Messiah for healing, Jesus overlooked any racial barrier or taboo and reached out to him and, and healed him. And it was this one, he broke a ra racial taboo to reach. This one is the one that returned to give thanks. Now I want you to listen closely to Jesus' response. I hear so much um, emotion in this question. Were there not 10 cleansed? But where are the nine? Where are the nine? Jesus immediately noticed a glaring absence, an inescapable elephant in the room. We're not 10 healed, but where are the nine? It, is only this foreigner, this Samaritan? Is he the only one that thought to thank? Is he the only one that stopped to think, you know, I should return and thank the one who did this for me. Is this the only one that was thankful? You know, it's so easy for us human beings to forget to thank. Myself included, I'm chief among us. Not just thanking the Lord for the things he's done for us, but we also forget to thank people that God has used uh, to really bless our life or play a key role in helping us along, mentoring us, somehow blessing us, playing a part in our development as a human being. Um, you know, somebody that opened doors for us, somebody that took the time and trouble to pay special attention to us. Isn't it funny how by nature we forget to thank? We don't think to thank. We, 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 we're all about us. And that's what this story is all about. That among 10 men, only one thought to thank, only one returned. And the other nine didn't even think about it. They just went to the priest and, and got their healing confirmed and, and went back and started doing life again without even a thought of going back to Jesus and saying, Jesus, if not for you, my life was over. If not for you, I was terminal. If not for you, I was done. If not for you, Lord, I was toast. But because of you, Lord, I've got a new lease on life. They didn't even stop to think to thank. They just went about their lives again. How we need to learn and train ourselves to be thankful, not just to God, but to others who have helped us. I read recently of a Christian man who was about a week away from the Thanksgiving holidays. And he asked the Lord what he might do to honor this special time of the year. He was just in prayer and said, Jesus, what can I do to honor this special time of the year? And suddenly it was as if the Lord just touched his heart with a thought. Why don't you give thanks to those people who have been a blessing in your life and affirm them during this time? Well, as he began to think, the thought came to his mind of a school teacher from his boyhood. 
a wonderful teacher of poetry and English literature who had gone out of her way to put a great love of literature in this man when he was a boy. So he sat down and he wrote a letter to the woman, now way on in years. And you know, it was only a matter of days until he got a reply in the feeble handwriting of the aged. It read this, my dear Mikey, and the man was at that time about 50 years of age and no one had called him Mikey for a long time. So just the opening sentence warmed his heart. He was known as Mike or Michael, but not Mikey. That was what she called him. My dear Mikey, I can't tell you how much your note meant to me. I'm in my eighties, living alone in a small room, cooking my own meals, lonely. And like the last leaf of autumn lingering behind, everyone I've known has died before me. She went on. You'll be interested to know, Mikey, that I taught in school for more than 50 years and yours is the first note of appreciation I ever received. It came on a blue cold morning and it cheered me as nothing has done in years. End quote. Mikey later told a friend, I'm not very sentimental, but I found myself weeping over that note. Dear friends, how powerful being thankful can be. Just a word of thanks to somebody that somewhere along the way helped you or a word of thanks to the Lord. How many times God blesses us, provides for us, helps us, answers a prayer, strengthens us, carries us through a valley of sickness or some other great trial. And once we're through it to the other side, we forget to thank. We forget to look up and just say, Jesus, you didn't have to do that, but you did it. Thank you, Lord, for what you did for me. Thank you, Lord, for that job you gave me. Thank you, Lord, for uh, helping me to just have a decent life. Thank you, Lord, for the little mercy drops I see every day in my life that when I really take note, I realize they're from you. Little mercy here, mercy there, goodness here, goodness there. Things that you do, people you bring my way, blessings that you, you, you also bring my way that you didn't have to, Lord. And sometimes, Lord, too often I forget to thank. It's easy to forget to thank, but how powerful it can be when we do it vertically towards God or we thank people horizontally who have been a blessing in our life. You know, I wonder how often Christ in heaven still looks down today to ask, where are the nine? Where are the nine? Were there not 10 cleansed? Where's the nine? It's so easy to be part of the nine and forget to thank God and men. But the good news is, and here's good news I wanna to bring to you today, we can change. Because I believe being unthankful is a habit learned. Therefore, being thankful can also be a habit learned. We can easily train ourselves to be thankful, to think to thank. I'm going to think to thank. I'm going to remember to be thankful. I'm going to think to thank. I'm going to think to thank vertically. I'm going to thank God way more often. And I'm going to thank people who bless me in my life, my spouse, my kids, my coworkers, my doctor, my counselor, my pastor, uh, my congregation, uh, the people who I see every Sunday. What a blessing they are to me. Have I ever thanked them? 
for just being the Christian that I needed to see, uh, the encourager that I needed to hear? Have I ever thanked them? Let me give you a little more incentive to be thankful before I close. This is so powerful. When the one man, the Samaritan, the one that Jesus broke a racial barrier to reach, when that one man returned to give thanks, um, when he was finished with his profuse praise, Jesus said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Now the Greek word translated into well is sozo. It's sozo. And it's the same word used for salvation in the New Testament, where God rescues believers from the penalty and power of sin. Jesus was essentially saying this, uh, arise, go your way, your faith has saved you. Well, what happened here? Well, most commentators believe, and I do too, that this one man that returned to give thanks got a blessing that he could never have ever paid for or earned on his own. On top of his healing, when this man returned to Jesus and bowed and thanked him, he placed his faith in Christ. And when he placed his faith in Christ, his soul was saved. So he got a double blessing. He was healed physically of the terrible disease of leprosy, but he was also healed of the leprosy of sin. His sin was washed away. Watch this. The nine that got healed physically did not receive salvation, but the one that came back and was thanking the Lord received both physical and spiritual healing in one day, in one hour. What if he hadn't gone back to thank the Lord? Would he have gotten saved? I don't think so. Because the other nine, uh, there's no intimation at all in the scripture they did. No, because he thought to thank. Thanking the Lord placed him in a posture re to receive great blessing. The blessing of eternal life. The blessing of the salvation of his soul. I encourage all of us, myself first and foremost, to cultivate a thankful heart, not just this Thanksgiving. You know, we're all going to, you know, sit at a table, stand around a table. We're going to be thankful like we do every year. But let's carry it on into the next day and the next week and the next month throughout the year and think to thank and thank the Lord and thank those that have blessed us. Be thankful people. You know, I've never known a happy complainer in my whole life. I have never known a happy complainer, but I've also never known an unhappy thankful person. Thankful people tend to be happy people. And so what I'm sharing with you is sort of a spiritual medicine, a spiritual prescription, if you will, that if we will be thankful, more thankful to God and man, then we will be happier people. And I know that it's God's will that we walk in the joy of the Lord, that we experience happiness in life. Happiness is a blessing from God. And I believe that happiness is the result of having done some things right. And one of them is being thankful. So let me pray with you right now. And I hope you're looking forward to having a great Thanksgiving. And I know that I am. And I'm so looking forward to seeing you again uh, next Sunday live. I, I'm going to be there, uh, Lord willing. I'm fully planning on being there in person. And I'm, I'm so looking forward to that. But let me pray with you right now that God would bless you and lead you and guide you and help us all to be more thankful people. Father, we just come to you 
in Jesus' name. And we pray, Lord, that you will help us to be more thankful. We thank you for this powerful, powerful story of these 10 lepers that were healed, but particularly of the one that came to give thanks. And because he gave thanks for being healed physically, he was healed spiritually and eternally. Lord, thank you for that. Help us, Lord, to think to thank this year. We come together, Lord, as a church family, and we pray you will help us to be thankful people, to thank you for the little things as well as the big things you do all the time for us. And thank you for the people you send into our lives to be blessings to us. We thank you for it, Lord, and we pray you will help us to do this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, it's been so good being with you. Uh, know that Cindy and I are praying for you. We miss you so very much. We're so looking forward to being with you uh, next time. So until then, God bless you. May his face shine upon you and have a great blessed week in the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.